everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into Advertising Week's Great Minds People and Culture podcast. I'm your host, Brenna Kinsey, Executive Vice President of Advertising Week and Emerald. On today's episode, we're speaking to Sergi Denisenko. With more than 20 years in the internet advertising industry, Sergi has held executive positions with multinational corporations and created and implemented multiple global digital media platforms. Leading one of the world's first and now largest native advertising companies, Sergi has spearheaded successful global expansion during his six years at MGID. Based out of Ukraine and leading a worldwide staff of 400, Sergi is no stranger to leading through adversity and crisis, which will be the focus of our conversation today. Sergi, I want to give you a warm welcome and thank you for your time today. Thank you, Ren. Pleasure is mine. You are based out of Ukraine and the CEO of a global advertising platform headquartered in the Ukraine. So our conversation today is going to be centered around the Russia-Ukraine conflict and how you have adapted your leadership style through the crisis. But before we start, I want to ask you a simple question of how are you and how are your loved ones today? It's always difficult. You know, the uh, uh, attacks on Ukraine never stop. Uh, we have uh, uh, airstrike alerts uh, almost 24 hours a day. And uh, it's quite uh, emotionally complicated. Currently, uh, I am in uh, our Italian office. I temporarily uh, moved out from the country, but uh, I'm always concerned uh, about my family and how they're doing, calling them in the middle of the night, uh, because, uh, you know, in Ukraine, this is uh, how technology is uh, helping to uh, avoid casualties in Ukraine. Uh, uh, they developed an application that warns you about the possible missile strikes or airstrikes uh, on the territory where you were based from. And I never turn it off, even when I'm traveling outside the country, because I need to know what's happening with my family and uh, to be in contact with them. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's emotionally difficult, but I guess the country is coping with that. And we are humans. Humans can adapt to different things and different challenges that are happening to them. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. In the beginning of the crisis, and maybe even now, how did you or have you been communicating with your employees, as well as your customers and stakeholders to maintain trust and transparency? You know, this is, uh, I think, the key uh, in the crisis circumstances. Crisis is something that uh, you cannot plan. Uh, that is why it's called crisis, basically, that uh, you know, when it happens, you cannot be 100% prepared for that. You can write uh, the contingency plans and, uh, uh, you know, procedures all the time, but uh, you will never be prepared for uh, what uh, actually might not be, uh, might be happening. So uh, that is why the, the uh, having open communication channels and being able to communicate with the team and with the clients is extremely important for us. The First thing that we did when the war started, and it, it was, uh, you know, one of the uh, my own mistakes and failures uh, in the beginning of the war is uh, my disbelief that this might happen because it was completely logical. Uh, Ukraine would have never given up uh, to Russia, and uh, uh, you know, the, this war is not giving Russia anything. Russia is not a country that needs 
territory or uh, needs uh, uh, people that are going to hate uh, Russia even more than Russians themselves. So it's uh, it, the war did not make any economical, political, psychological, any kind of sense uh, to me. So I was the one that was trying to persuade the uh, employees the, the my colleagues that uh, that the war is not going to happen and uh, in the worst case scenario we were expecting the invasion uh, 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 from the east uh, but like on much smaller scale so we I was not prepared for Russians uh, to be about three kilometers from me uh, firing shells at uh, the village where I have my house near Kiev so but the uh, Again, uh, communication is, is extremely important because, uh, you know, things uh, are changing all the time. You don't know what's going to be happening and you need to be very uh, proactive uh, with regards to telling your clients and your employees on what's going on and directing them what to do in case of emergency. We, the first thing that we did, we basically published a press release uh, uh, explaining our stand on uh, what is happening and warning our clients that uh, we're going to do everything possible to uh, uh, make sure that there are no disruptions in, in the service that we provide. MGAD is, an, is a global advertising platform, so uh, while uh, about 55% of the uh, uh, more than 800 people were based in Ukraine before the war, uh, we still had uh, a lot of people based in the other markets and uh, uh, you know, I, I would uh, really like to use this opportunity to thank everyone again, uh, all the, uh, the the international the international MJD team that uh, they really picked up uh, for some of their Ukrainian colleagues that were hiding in the uh, bomb shelters that uh, uh, you know did not have internet for some period of time and uh, that did a great job to cover for us. And I would like to thank our clients as well, because uh, instead of uh, them cutting down the advertising investment in MJD, it was actually quite the reverse. They said, okay, how much more money can we spend with you? What can you, what else can you give us? And they were really supportive in uh, trying to help us in every way they, they could. That's wonderful to hear that your clients became part of your community in helping you cope with this. Can you share an example of a difficult decision you had to make during all of this and how you arrived at that decision? From the business perspective, you know, it's uh, uh, every business, uh, while uh, you have a lot of processes, you have the P&L analysis, you have... Uh, 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 a lot of decisions uh, to, to make with regards to clients and uh, uh, product. Uh, still, the, the most complicated part of uh, managing companies uh, people management. And uh, the uh, most uh, uh, complicated for me is uh, always firing people, which sometimes happens. And uh, we had to cut down uh, on some of the team members. We uh, uh, definitely did not hire a single person, no matter how bad the performance even was uh, in Ukraine since the war started uh, for, for, for a year at least. But uh, we were by far number one native advertising platform in Russia before the war started. We have to admit it. 
uh, and we shut down operations uh, immediately when the war started. And uh, we are proud that on the 25th of February 2022, we were announced to be one of the top 12 uh, uh, media enemies of the Russian state, uh, along with Google, Facebook, and some other prominent companies. So, uh, and we really had a good team there. And uh, we had some people that were working for the company for more than 14 years. And uh, this is, uh, I guess, the, the most complicated part. You talked a little bit about making short-term decisions, which were parting ways with people in an unfortunate circumstance. How do you balance the short-term survival with the long-term strategic planning for the company's future at a time like this? Yeah, it's a very good question, especially for our industry, which is... Uh, uh, evolving uh, every day and sometimes when I'm asked during the interviews uh, oh, what's your company is going to be in 10 years I'm telling them I don't have a clue the uh, uh, changes on the programmatic side and uh, the industry trying to get rid of the unnecessary middlemen uh, the uh, uh, changes that are happening uh, with regards to privacy, both in European market and uh, from the uh, point of view of Google implementing changes on uh, its own side, uh, the uh, uh, changes that are caused by the innovations with generative AI are causing a lot of companies to implement short-term and long-term strategies, which will mitigate the risks or uh, uh, you know use some uh, opportunities in the future. But uh, Crisis uh, always makes it worse because then the planning horizon is uh, becoming even shorter. So my recipe for leveraging and uh, balancing uh, the, the short-term decisions and long-term planning is uh, always uh, think uh, about what you want to achieve and uh, what your goals are in, in the long run when you are making lightning fast uh, decisions uh, that are based on the changing circumstances uh, because of the crisis. Which actually helps lead me to the next question I had for you. And you, you just said this, making decisions incredibly quickly. Obviously, wartime leadership often involves rapid decision-making. How did you and your team ensure that critical decisions were made promptly and effectively? The uh, number one thing is uh, uh, making sure that uh, there is a very high level of uh, transparency in decision-making process and that everyone is uh, informed, everyone is uh, on the same page. So uh, we are... We were abusing all the communication channels and uh, automated some of the processes to make sure that uh, we do understand where everyone is, uh, where, uh, you know, what is happening with the company. Because, you know, to, to besides the, the changes in the business processes that you need to implement in the circumstances like we found ourselves in, uh, you also need to take into account the psychological parts of uh, uh, people's life and uh, uh, when something like that, and that was the war, uh, happens, uh, you uh, people are uh, people are getting lost. They they uh, don't know what to do uh, on the uh, you know from the personal perspective, and uh, they definitely are having problems uh, with regards to their business goals. 
So um, you know, it's uh, again, it, it's about keeping being transparent in how you are making decisions, what your plans are, uh, what changes you are going to implement, uh, and uh, keeping the communication channels open so that people are aware of what's going on. You brought up a good point about the psychological impact. Obviously, we're talking a lot about the organizational impact and some of the challenges there that that are a little bit more tactical. As far as the psychological impact, you as a leader have to think about your employees, your company, your customers, your stakeholders. At what point do you get to think about you and and how do you balance some self-care in the midst of all of this? It's... uh... (laughs) Uh, I, I just uh, to be completely open with you, I, I was uh, I was not an exception. I was totally lost uh, during probably the first twenty four hours uh, when the war started because uh, I was uh, in my house uh, near Kiev uh, uh, with uh, my family, my kids, and uh, my mother was undergoing chemotherapy at that point of time with a pump uh, of medicine tied to her body. So, uh, and then seeing uh, uh, Russian helicopters and uh, pilot planes uh, over uh, my house and, uh, uh, you know, all the panic and everything happening was, uh, I was getting lost myself. But uh, you are really changing when uh, uh, you know you, you, you understand that it's not only about you it's not only about uh, profit margins and uh, uh, making sure that the revenue flow is going to stay stable it, it's about uh, taking care of the uh, people that are uh, beside you of your uh, close friends of your colleagues and uh, this is uh, that was something that kept me motivated all the time. We, we did prepare for the beginning, uh, just in case, uh, uh, for, for, for the beginning of some emergency situation in Ukraine. We had a hotel that we uh, booked completely in the west of the country. And that came completely handy uh, when Russians uh, uh, started shooting missiles uh, uh, in Kiev, because uh, some of our colleagues lost uh, their homes, uh, some of our colleagues uh, were actually based in the areas that are still occupied by Russians, and uh, that uh, made it possible for them to move to a safer area and uh, to make sure that their family and uh, themselves were safe. So it, it's uh, for me the the uh, best way to keep me going is uh, the understanding that I can change something for the people I know that uh, I can help the uh, other people as well. Thank you for sharing that. And have you had any partnerships or collaborations with government agencies or nonprofits that were crucial in, in helping? That was, you know, in order to, to understand what, what was uh, precisely happening in Ukraine, you need to know the Ukrainian history a little bit. You know, the, the, uh, there is a uh, uh, kind of uh, military, primarily military unit of, uh, not unit, kind of community of Cossacks that existed in Ukraine since uh, uh, probably the 15th uh, century. And uh, uh, they were really aggressive and uh, they conquered uh, uh, a lot of territories. They created issues for Russians, for uh, Poland for uh, the Osman Empire, 
And uh, there was a term uh, in Cossack history called uh, the wild field, which meant that uh, uh, everyone is uh, participating in the war, but there is no precise uh, command level and no precise organization of the military actions. So the, the uh, uh, beginning of the war was a wild field. There, there was, uh, I think that uh, the... Uh, country and the government and the president, uh, while they knew that uh, this is coming, they were not really prepared for this type of invasion. And uh, uh, there was, uh, for several months, uh, there were there were no initiatives from the governmental authorities with regards to how media companies, how advertising companies can actually help to deliver the message uh, from Ukraine to to tell um, the, the world what, what is actually happening. And uh, while our president, I think, did a great job, uh, he could have received uh, help from the industry as well. But uh, uh, still, we uh, were communicating with the Ministry of Digital Transformation that is leading the process of uh, uh, introducing innovations to the uh, uh, with regards to the development of uh, innovative military uh, equipment, uh, and uh, they were also involved in uh, assisting Ukraine to deliver uh, the uh, uh, the information properly to, to Russians, which we also tried to do, uh, but it didn't help. Uh, and uh, but uh, I think the most crucial role in all of that uh, uh, it was IAB Ukraine that uh, actually helped uh, to organize uh, everyone and to uh, communicate again. We were in the beginning of the conversation. I was talking about transparency and uh, making sure that everyone is informed what the goals are. And IAB and uh, the head of Ukrainian IAB she did amazing job in uh, uh, keeping everyone involved and keeping everyone informed what the goals are and where and uh, what we could do to to uh, uh, to help Ukraine in a very complicated situation does it feel like the world has forgotten about the about Ukraine and the and the conflict right now because of all the other conflicts that are in the news you know it's it depends on uh, how you view the situation, the and depends uh, on which country you are talking about. Uh, Ukraine is not going to survive without the assistance from uh, foreign powers, primarily U.S., but uh, definitely the European Union is stepping up with its assistance, uh, both militarily, economically, financially, and uh, in any other possible way. Uh, because uh, primarily because they are. Uh, getting a very high pressure from the countries that have uh, uh, borders with the, the aggressor. Uh, I mean, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Poland. Uh, uh, Poland does not have a direct border with Russia, but they are bordering with uh, Belarus, which is the closest, which is the closest ally uh, of Russians. And uh, those countries are quite concerned because they do understand that uh, if Ukraine is going to lose this war, they, there is a very high chance that they will be the next ones. So uh, I don't think that Ukraine was totally lost, but definitely the uh, uh, crisis that uh, some experts believe, and I, I 
tend to agree with them was uh, studied with the help of Russians in the Middle East is uh, definitely taken uh, uh, taken attention away uh, from what is happening in Ukraine. And we are also worried about what's going on in uh, Israel because we do have our colleagues there. Our actually VP of sales is based from Israel as well. And uh, we, we are watching that situation and really feel sorry about what is happening with the Israeli population, Palestinian population as well. How do you prioritize safety and security of your employees at a time like this? You you make it like the first thing. You uh, you stop caring about money. You stop caring about everything. But uh, you make sure that you um, you take care of the people first. And this is what we did. Uh, we uh, even now we we are using Slack for for the internal communication. We have an app inside of Slack that. Uh, uh, is asking uh, our employees about their status and uh, where they are currently based from. If uh, uh, we are not getting automated answer, the HR team is checking up uh, with, with the employees uh, for, for what's happening. And uh, this is uh, definitely something I, I think that uh, despite uh, we do not have the opportunity of meeting each other every day like we used to and uh, uh, some of the employees moved outside of uh, Ukraine and the team is very much distributed right now I think that uh, from a you know team spirit perspective we are the closest people right now than we have ever been during the 17 years of the company history you mentioned Slack. What role has technology or maybe even innovation played in helping your organization adapt to the challenges of these conditions? Yeah, no, we, uh, again, uh, the, the, uh, in the digital world, uh, it's uh, much easier to stay connected. We, uh, we are using Slack for the internal communication. We do run some uh, proprietary apps inside of Slack that are helping us to manage people and, uh, you know, from a business perspective, by like tracking performance, making sure that the uh, tasks are assigned properly. It's integrated with all the other systems that we have with the CRM, with the um, uh, advertising server and uh, provides all the information and, and helps actually to understand and uh, manage the uh, situation remotely. But on top of that, like, like I said, uh, Ukraine really made a great uh, step towards uh, becoming one of the leaders in military technology because of these events. And uh, uh, technology really helped us a lot uh, to make sure that there are no there is no disruption in any kind of service that we provide. We, we turned our office uh, into a fortress <laughs> right now because, uh, you know, first of all, we we uh, uh, we are running powerful generators that are uh, uh, making sure that uh, we're not going to have uh, a shortage of uh, electricity. We uh, uh, do utilize Starlink as a uh, as an additional source, as an additional communication channel to, to get internet access. Uh, we uh, uh, 
So uh, I guess it, it's a completely different situation from the Second World War when uh, you didn't have any of those options. Can you tell us about your company's values and mission and how this has upheld through the, the war and maybe how it has shaped the way that you've been leading your team? Tell us a little bit about your company first and then tell us what the values and mission it had prior to the war and, and whether or not that shifted or changed during this crisis. The probably shifted a lot uh, because the, uh, uh, the preliminary we were uh, building our values uh, uh, around the types of benefits and uh, uh, long-term value that we can generate for our clients, which uh, since we are native advertising platform uh, and uh, we do have direct access to both advertisers and uh, publishers the um, let's say the the share of uh, programmatic revenue both on demand and supply side is still not uh, uh, is not dominating so uh, all of our values uh, were based uh, around the clients maybe uh, the the key for us was in uh, making sure that we are uh, delivering performance to our advertisers. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, making sure that we are providing proper level of monetization for our clients. But uh, with the war, uh, you know, we really turned more into a media company, probably more than. Uh, uh, advertising company, we do we do see a shift, uh, you know, internally among the employees, and uh, uh, um, just uh, even among our clients, on whom we want to work with, uh, what kind of products and content we would like to promote, uh, because uh, it does make a difference, and uh, we are. Uh, we probably became much more responsible company uh, since the war started uh, because uh, in uh, for the advertising business, you know, you can take the, the uh, uh, I don't know Facebook as an example. The uh, uh, obviously the uh, most. Uh, uh, important KPI uh, for uh, Facebook as an application is the amount of time uh, the, a user spends uh, uh, browsing content uh, and clicking or engaging with the advertising on uh, Facebook. And sometimes when you are concentrating on the main business KPIs and uh, values that you can generate only for, for those people that are paying you money, uh, you are forgetting about the important, some important things that you can affect. And this is uh, exactly what is happening with the majority of the industry because the uh, uh, algorithms, uh, they are, uh, they're not really taking into account the long-term consequences of uh, what content uh, they are going to prioritize and what messages they are going to deliver to their audiences uh, and how it's going to um, to basically change the humanity in the long run so uh, i'm not going to quote a lot of uh, uh, very important conclusions uh, that 
that you can get to after watching the social dilemma, uh, if I'm not mistaken, movie on Netflix. But uh, I think that the the uh, most important takeout uh, from the values perspective that MJD uh, came to uh, after the war started is that uh, we want and we uh, to become and we are becoming a more uh, responsible business from uh, the perspective of uh, how we are going to uh, uh, to influence the future of humanity. And yes, we we. We are changing and evolving. That's a really good call out. And it feels like it's a good advice to any CEO or leadership that's listening to this podcast right now. What other advice would you give to CEOs or aspiring CEOs and leaders on how to prepare for and respond to crisis effectively? I would like to mention two things from the very uh, personal experience that I received during the last uh, year and a half. Uh, First one is... uh, Again, be, be prepared, uh, have your plans at long term, but in case something like this uh, happens, uh, make your decisions really fast. And uh, the second one is uh, don't hesitate and uh, uh, always remember, and especially for the CEOs that are running companies uh, uh, like MJD has currently 800 employees, but, uh, you know, there are uh, much larger advertising players uh, in, in the market and uh, uh, you are responsible not only for your own life, not only for the life of your family, but you are bearing the responsibility of all the people that are relying on you to help them be more resilient, to, to help them uh, uh, strive and uh, survive in the uh, in very complicated circumstances. Thank you for that. And as we wrap this up, what's a great way for our listeners to continue to support the people of Ukraine during this time? Are there any nonprofits that you stand behind that you would recommend that people look into? Because a lot of times we feel very helpless and hopeless sitting and watching the news of seeing all the suffering going on in the world, not being able to help or do anything about it the foundation that we support the most it, it, it is called the steel wings it was founded by uh, one of our colleagues who is a uh, head of strategic partnership unit in uh, fjd he's got a blog himself and uh, he's doing a lot of interviews with uh, hard rock uh, heavy metal stars uh, and uh, getting them involved uh, into assisting ukraine like uh, he, he got some uh, souvenirs and presents from Metallica that uh, he was given away uh, uh, for those people that were making donations. The uh, uh, lead guitar player of Judas Priest uh, gave an interview and was sending some support. And there were a lot of uh, really, really uh, uh, famous people that he was getting in touch with. And yes, we were working closely with him uh, uh, the uh, with regards to what people can do, just don't forget about it, and don't think that this is over. Just believe that Ukraine is going to come out of uh, this war as a strong, powerful, independent state. Thank you so much, Sergey. So, I want can you repeat that nonprofit one more time for our listeners? The one that you shared towards the end. Yeah, it's it's called the Steel Wings. Steel Wings. 
yeah and if you you know some of the people do not want to to have anything to do with uh, foundations that are involved in helping the ukrainian army but are eager to help uh, uh, the uh, you know ngos that are helping the civilians then just uh, google united 24 and uh, this is the uh, uh, government sponsored foundation that is uh, uh, helping civilians to cope with the difficulties uh, uh, of the war for the Ukrainian population. By the way, the uh, actually it, it's, the, the help will be very useful because uh, just uh, uh, today we had the news that Russia accumulated about uh, 800 ballistic missiles that they are planning to use against the uh, power grid in Ukraine and uh, trying to uh, buy bombing the the infrastructure of ukraine they they are going to try to sway ukraine into negotiating some kind of peace agreement that will be close to surrender thank you so much for all of your time and sharing with all this with us i know that you have a lot more important things that require your attention so i really appreciate the time you took um to have this podcast recording with us thank you sergey it was really a pleasure thank you Ren.